0: If you take large doses of antioxidants indiscriminately, that can be highly counterproductive because your body, it needs some free radical signaling molecules. And if you suppress them indiscriminately, that can be dangerous. So that's why I'm such a big fan of molecular hydrogen. The beautiful thing about it is when you take it, it's not an antioxidant by itself. You think, oh, the hydrogen is gonna interact with the hydroxyl radical and turn it to water and that's how it works. No, no. What's more elegantly in that it sends a signal to your DNA to, it serves as a transcription factor. So it tells your DNA, it senses if your body gets feedback that you have oxidative stress going on, you're inflamed and you're damaged, then it's gonna make antioxidants that your body needs like catalase, superoxide, dismutase, glutathione. But it only makes it if you're under oxidative stress. So like if you're really good and there's nothing that going on, it doesn't do anything, which is perfect.
1: Girl, you've got questions. Hello, everyone. It is good to be here with you. Dr. Anna here with the amazing Dr. Joe Marcola. It's great to be here with you. Dr. Mercola, thank you for joining us today. We are live and this also is recorded for my podcast. So we didn't get a chance to talk ahead of time, but I thought we could talk about longevity, biohacking, the immune system, and also linoleic acid and some pluses and minus the downside of chicken. So I think that'll be super fun to talk about. And the first thing I wanna do is introduce you to my community. For those Mm -hmm. of you who are uh, not familiar with Dr. Mercola, he has definitely been a pioneer in the online space and in supporting health information. And he has also been quite controversial over the years. Certainly none of us uh, ever live without controversy, but Dr. Mercola has been highlighted by some notorious papers like the New York Times and for for speaking out against some of the conventional therapies. So we're not going to dive into that today. What I do want to share with you is that Dr. McCollin is one of the most researched and prolific human beings I have ever met. For those of you who are familiar with my background, I'll share with you that I've been reading research and since I was 16 years old. And my first published international paper and presentation was at 22 years old for the Department of Defense with the US Navy. And from there, I worked in pharmaceutical research and then went to med school. I'm very interested in the research. I look at what I, you know, people say and what I read with that lens, that lens of perspective and less than, I think it's 3% of physicians actively participate in research and less than 18% of physicians have actually participated in research. And so it's important to look at the news with that lens. What are the research papers that are being interpreted for us by laymen? What are they actually saying? So I always appreciate your boldness and I'm glad to have you here today.
0: It's a bit of a challenge with research now because most of the journals tend to be compromised and they're funded by the pharmaceutical companies. So you can have very prestigious journals. I mean, literally very high impact journals, some of the highest in the world and still publishing essentially misinformation, not the truth that's really going to improve your health
1: well we definitely have seen it in women's health when it has come to hormones and we have mm-hmm. sat on and we've been part of an elite organization called Da Vinci 50 which is a group of Uh, longevity experts and researchers from around the world. And so I got to know you a little bit more there and have heard you speak and present on stages several times. One of the things is longevity. And actually you published recently that as a nation, we are rapidly progressing towards early demise versus working towards longevity.
0: Well, there was a Updated study from the N Haynes data, which is probably one of the longest running data collections of health in the United States. And it was published in the journal American College of Cardiology in July of last year. And it showed that ninety-three percent of Americans were metabolically inflexible. So we're already there. And then on top of that, that that was published from data 2018, which is certainly pre-pandemic. And if you add on top of that, the fact that half of the people in the country were jabbed. So that doesn't help anything. So yeah, we are in serious, serious issues. Now, fortunately, if you optimize for health and longevity, that tends to self-correct any of the other challenges that cause those conditions to begin with. So that's one of the reasons why I do it. And I think because your body wants to be healthy. It was designed to be healthy. It's 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 intrinsically directed towards to achieve that unless you throw some roadblocks in the way. And most people are so confused and brainwashed by con- traditional conventional media that they, there's no, it, it's a full-time job to figure this thing out. And, and I've been fooled a lot too. I mean, no one has, escapes this mess. And I remember in high school, I was eating margarine, <laughs> and, uh, and oatmeal. I think that because I thought those were the healthiest things. I was convinced low fat was the way to go, but I was a high school kid. I didn't know any better. My parents certainly didn't, weren't into health food. I mean, there's some people knew like Adele Davis crew and that that crowd in the 60s and such were aware that people understood the foundational basics, which were designed to eat our ancestral health, our ancestral diet, which essentially is the foods that were available before the, I'd say the late, 19th century so 1860s 1870s when the damage started happening specifically
1: pharmaceutical and synthesized pharmaceuticals yeah
0: the first pharmaceutical drugs came out about that time too you know what the first one was No. would you like to know
1: yes absolutely
0: it's actually a drug that i use every day and i recommend and encourage everyone to do it also it's an amazing biohack it's called methylene blue
1: methylene blue you know my experience with methylene blue as a gynecologist Mm -hmm. is using it iv to check during surgery to check to make sure the ureter was not damaged during hysterectomy so you get that yeah well
0: there's another phenomenal indication that you may not be aware of but elderly women tend to get utis as you're quite familiar with i'm sure So, and most every physician is going to use an antibiotic and sometimes that can save their life, but a far more effective solution would be to use methylene blue because it, it actually has a biphasic dose response. So at low doses is very beneficial to health, but at high doses, it can really, it's a very potent oxidative oxidative, oxidant. It can kill all these pathogens and the body can't metabolize methylene blue. It can't break it down. So it excretes it in the urine. and it concentrates to very high levels and essentially destroys any pathogen in the bladder. And it doesn't do a thing for the microbiome in the, in the gut. And yeah, especially those who, who've gotten the jab or perhaps got infected with COVID and are suffering from long COVID, but the vast majority of the people who have the, are fatigued from that would be post-jab, I would think. In my view, methylene blue is definitely a component. Now, we only have a very limited time here and I could talk for one hour to two hours on methylene blue alone. So if you go to my substack, just go to substack.com, type in Mercola and methylene blue, and you'll get an interview I did with uh, Francisco Gonzalez Lima, who is probably the world expert in methylene blue. And I go into great detail about the benefits, in it, but it just is a teaser to excite you about it because it, it's one of the top 20 supplements I recommend, and except probably in the top three, methylene blue. It's so, and especially if you're tired. It's just unbelievable. It's like a miracle what that thing does. And why does it work? Because it's not magic. It actually increases mitochondrial efficiency, exactly. and it produces about thirty percent increase in ATP, which is your cellular energy. And with more ATP, you can do a lot more things. So it not okay. only gives you energy to move, but it powers the cellular machinery so that you can do what you metabolically you can do what you need to do.
1: So the only methylene blue supplementation I know is oral lozenges. Yeah. Is you do not form? want to do an
0: oral lozenge that De- definitely do not do an oral lozenge. That's,
1: yeah. I don't want to stain my <laughs> Because
0: it's going to turn your, you know, it'll just, it's temporary, but it will definitely dye your teeth and it'll look weird and with a blue mouth. But more importantly, it, it, as I mentioned earlier, it's a biphasic for dose response. So you can get the dose is way too high when you have a high concentration in your mouth. So you want to swallow it with a lot of water in your stomach, dilute it, and it goes because it goes almost instantly. It's like molecular hydrogen, which is probably my top supplement. It's a selective antioxidant. You know, we have oxidative stress as a primary way that people die prematurely so and people take antioxidants and some of them are important like one of my favorite antioxidants is vitamin e for a lot of lot of good reasons but molecular hydrogen vitamin
1: d or vitamin e no,
0: well d well i'm a big Bro. proponent of vitamin d i wrote a paper <laughs> on that in october 2020 my first paper this century i had wrote a, wrote a lot of papers last century but it's first one this century and it made me a target of the media because it was about vitamin d and its use in covid so i think vitamin d is an important supplement for most people but the reason I'm hammering on this is because I don't, I don't, haven't taken vitamin D for most part of this century. I've not taken it since the, the last time I take it was the last century for the most part, because I get it from the sun. I am very intentional about my sun exposure and, you know, I can get my levels up to a hundred without having taken it for, you know, 12, 15 years. Yeah, it's important. But but a supplement that most people need is vitamin E too, which is really, really good as an antioxidant. So that's the reason I tangented that. But but molecular hydrogen a selective antioxidant. So if you take large doses of antioxidants indiscriminately, that can be highly counterproductive because your body, it needs some free radicals. Those are important signaling molecules. And if you suppress them indiscriminately, that can be dangerous. So that's why I'm such a big fan of molecular hydrogen. And the beautiful thing about it is when you take it, it does. it's not an antioxidant by itself. You think, oh, the hydrogen is going to interact with the hydroxyl radical and turn it to water and that's how it works. No, no, no. It, it, what's more elegantly in that it sends a signal to your DNA to, uh, it, it serves as a transcription factor. So it tells your DNA that if it senses, if your body gets feedback that you have oxidative stress going on, you're inflamed and you're damaged, then it's going to make antioxidants that your body needs, like catalase, superoxide, dismutase, glutathione. And, but it only makes it if you're under oxidative stress. So like if you're really good and there's nothing that going on, it doesn't do anything, which is perfect. But if you've just gotten an X-ray or a CAT scan, or you've been flying to 35,000 feet, which is a potent oxidative mm-hmm. stressor, then you'll start making them. And that's one I recommend absolutely to take my glycogen. I think everyone needs it every day. But especially if you're going to be exposed to ionizing or non-ionizing radiation, and almost everyone is exposed on non ionizing radiation because they have a cell phone and a Wi-Fi router. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to distance yourself from the convenience of those tools. But there's a, they come at a high cost, and that high cost is <laughs> premature aging and death.
1: Premature <laughs> yeah. aging, ring, right? Free radical damage. So that's great. yeah, it and doesn't. And it's very
0: simple. You know, this I wrote a whole book on this called EMF, and it go into it in uh, great detail. EMF's. But, mm-hmm. but the danger is, is that you know the the narrative is that there is a major difference between ionized radiation like X rays and non ionizing radiation like the cell phone, your microwave, and the Wi Fi routers. But the reality is the mechanism is really similar. They Essentially, initiate a whole cascade of free, free radical reactions. It, it doesn't in, in a different way. The non-ionizing radiation does it through peroxynitrate, whereas the ionizing radiation is more direct in hydroxyl free radicals generation. So, but ultimately, you have oxidative stress, and molecular hydrogen will help mitigate it against both of them. But the idea is to not expose yourself to, you know, so you turn off your Wi-Fi router at night. You never have your cell phone on all night in your next to your bed in your nightstand. That's like a prescription for disaster. Now, sometimes I do that because I have to have it on and I forget to turn it off. But usually when I'm traveling, but when I'm home, I've gotten to the habit where I check. I have a little meter that checks if there's any Wi-Fi radiation. It's not Wi-Fi, radio frequency fields. And... If it beeps and I know that I've got something, you know, it, I need to check something and it usually it's pretty uncommon, it happens, but it's a good double check.
1: I think uh, one thing that I just started doing is getting, I have a timer. So at 10 p.m., the timer shuts down the router booster and that's automatic now, as well as I've got to get some more timers to shut down some other stuff automatically too, which will be really nice. Okay. Yeah. And then the other then thing that about do- that oh, is you
0: can, you can get some red lights for the nighttime too. Red yep. red lights, you know, non-blinking, non-flickering red lights.
1: Yeah. Uh, why? Because
0: you can wear your blockers, but the red lights are actually better. You know, the blockers are perfect if you're out traveling, you know, and you're driving or you're at a dinner and you have no you can't put that those circumstances under a red light, but in your home you can. Yep. So you have much more control. And that would be more ideal because you get light can still sneak around the glasses. But when I'm out at night, which is uncommon, I'm typically at home almost always before sunset but i'm wearing those blue blockers for sure mm-hmm. really powerful mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah and, you know and i would go to an event like d50 At your reference, and people who are paying tens of thousands of dollars to learn this information and yet it might be 50 people there and like i'm maybe one other person is wearing a blue blockers that's it it's, you know <laughs> there's this is massive what I call FTI or failure to implement because we know it, not well, every single one of those people know, or almost everyone knows that it's dangerous, but well, the matter is doing it, you know. So I will
1: say that I am at my standing desk right now, although I am sitting down. Well, that's <laughs> when okay. you see Dr. McColl at a conference, he is at a standing desk or standing and moving constantly. Okay. So no. Joe, with methylene blue and molecular hydrogen, are there mm-hmm. other than supplementation, are there natural ways to get them?
0: No, no. Methylene blue is a drug, 100%. Yeah, there's no, it's an amazing biohack. It's one of the most important power and powerful biohacks I've mm. ever encountered. And hydrogen, you No, know, the interesting thing with hydrogen, we our body makes it, makes quite a bit of hydrogen. Actually, the supplement that we take or administer is significantly less than our body makes. It's made in your gut by your bacteria. So, you know, it's a natural product, but the way it responds to protect you is when you pulse it. So you get a big exposure and then it goes down and you wait at least three or four hours. If you take it continuously, like you breathe in hydrogen gas, it's not going to work that well because your body is looking for a cycle, looking for a difference. So, I mean, you could get hydrogen naturally, you know, like, Geothermal events where you've got these hydrogen sulfide producing bacteria. I'm not hydrogen sulfide. Not
1: like it. hydrogen peroxide. That is no, it's definitely
0: not hydro peroxide, which is another good thing. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of peroxide, especially inhaling it, which is was almost as dangerous as promoting that as telling people how to treat cancer without chemo.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I <Inhaling laughs> you know it's yeah, the same results. So the methylene blue, I know we can get it compounded and there are some supplements of it. I know lozenges of it. So is it as a best way to get it?
0: Well, it is a prescription technically, which makes it difficult because you can get it easily without a prescription. But the problem that it was a a pharmacological agent makes it a bit of a challenge. So it's in a gray zone, but you can get it easily on Amazon. There's a powder that you can get for I think it's 17 or 18 dollars. It's 25 grams. It says lab grade so it makes you nervous. This is only for a lab. It's not for human consumption. No, well, we tested it and it's, it passes prop 65 standards for heavy metals. So it's clean. It's, we've tested it a few times. And, uh, so that's the one I use. It's a powder. It costs 17 bucks. You're only using at the most a 64th of a teaspoon, a 64th and more is not better. And it, because it's, You don't want to put it in water and drink it because it's too concentrated. So what I'd normally tell people do is put it in a gel cap, an empty gel cap, put it in there and then swallow and drink a cup of water because it just makes it so much cleaner because it's a, it's a dye. They use it to dye blue jeans and if you're not careful with it, especially when you're measuring it out and doing it on your countertop, your countertop will be permanently blue. So that's why you do it over a stainless steel sink. And they call it stainless steel for a reason. It doesn't stain. Yeah. So you can so, easily wash it down the sink, but sounds yeah, like we're a, having
1: a chemistry experiment. I'm like, okay, this looks like a good chemistry experience. I'm yeah, saying, it is, you know, but it, and it, versus it's, the it's losages, a miracle, you and I swallow those.
0: Yeah, you could. does you know that and there are a number of companies that do that. And that would work too. That is, and I would if you really,
1: say if you stack the methylene blue with infrared sauna. Yeah, I was just going to
0: say that. Well, actually, near infrared would be better.
1: Near infrared.
0: Yeah, far infrared not so much. Near infrared and red. Would do it, and the reason it works, it works in cytochrome four C four or cytochrome four, like uh, cytochrome C oxidase, I think, and it works synergistically with that. So you can that stack is a really good stack, and that's when I time mine, either before I go into my near infrared sauna with two thousand or two kilowatts of <laughs> near infrared bulbs, or by co- I go in the sunshine, which is, or I do my photobiomodulation. So th- th- then you're going to augment the benefits. So. But you're still gonna get benefits just by swallowing it and if you take the, the 64th which is a significant dose if you're really tired I, that's a good one if you're just trying to optimize i think half of that would be much better it's a 1 128th or half of a 164th <laughs> it's a small that bottle would last you several years that actually so I'm, it's I'm really cheap and if you buy the somewhere. you know i don't recommend the pre-diluted ones and, liquid it's just not it's not as good and it's a lot more expensive.
1: Well, just a little question here, maybe yeah. personal, but do you pee blue as a result of it? Yeah, well,
0: it depends on the dose. Yes, you will. I was going to just going to mention that at 50 milligrams you should start peeing blue for sure. So, you know, don't be surprised if your toilet bowl looks like it has a toilet bowl cleaner in it. Yeah, you will. That that means it's working. And it's not immediate. It takes a while for it to concentrate in the kidney, so or the bladder, sorry. It takes okay, about so 4 to 6 huge. hours.
1: Yeah, these are two huge biohacks: molecular hydrogen, and there are some good companies that make that, and the methylene mm-hmm. blue, and being able to get a well, guess source. guess which company
0: makes distributes more molecular hydrogen tablets than any company in the world?
1: you uh, it's Mercola.
0: It is Mercola.com. <laughs> yeah, because I was an early adopter. Tyler LeBaron is a dear friend of mine, and I've known him for probably a decade, and so we were early adopter for that technology. And he's so so he actually got his PhD now, so he's Doctor Tyler LeBaron. Oh, He's got good. his PhD in molecular hydrogen.
1: I think it's fascinating. I've been following that research, and especially for athletes, for recovery, for fatigue, mm-hmm. for mitochondrial resuscitation, which makes it a longevity biohack. Which yeah. makes it a longevity biohack. You guys, we will put links to these in the show notes so that you can see some recommended sources. And so those really good infrared sauna. I've talked about on my show quite a bit. I love that. And then. We're talking about, okay, all of these things also boost our immune system. When we look at a stack of things to boost our immune system, a healthy immune system creates resilience, creates longevity. Or is this part of your um, immune boosting protocol too?
0: Immune adjunctive approaches that I use if you have an acute upper respiratory infection, and that would be things like nebulized hydrogen peroxide. Very, very powerful. And then you could use things like zinc and zinc ionophores, like quercetin is my favorite. So that would be an acute, I wouldn't take it every day. I don't do nebulized hydrogen every day, but the sooner you use it, like if you wake up with sniffles or start sneezing, you know, we have a cold in the middle of the night, that is a time that you go and get the unit out. And typically if you do it at that time, like within the hours of you getting the infection, when you wake up, it'll be gone. It will be gone because the problem is if you let it go on and on the virus reproduces and its doubling time is pretty quick so you it can get out of control real quickly but if you hit it early on you got a massively great chance of knocking it out
1: so short this is using it. your hydrogen peroxide in your nebulizer and just like you would use albuterol yeah go to
0: substack it. again sub-stack, substack and mercola and type in nebulized peroxide and i've got a lot of videos there Okay. You know, but they took down my channel, of course, on YouTube. We've, we sued them for doing that because it was illegal what they did, because we never had any strikes, never had any.
1: Well, that happened with LifeSite News, a Catholic
0: oh, organization.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Well, in for me, too.
0: Yeah, well, and ours was a little bit different. Mine and Bobby Kennedy's. We woke up one day. Neither of us had any strikes against us. We were really careful what we posted on YouTube. And they woke up one morning and said, OK, if you ever posted any anti-vax video, you're gone which violated their own terms of service, This is why we sued them, because they have to let you know and give you a chance to correct it. And they just didn't. They just took us off. But it was nothing, not for COVID stuff. It was about stuff about other vaccine information that we were, were posting and warning people of, because the whole vaccine system is a fraud, just like COVID-19. There's, there is no good vaccine.
1: So this question came in. A good earlier. vaccine is a
0: vaccine you don't take.
1: A vaccine we don't need. Uh, what yeah. percentage hydrogen peroxide and water is the question that came in from a Amir? Well, it's
0: so all, you know, we can go into a lot of details. It's been an hour on this whole topic alone, and I have spent hours on it. But if you go to the video, the, the answer to that is if there's a range, but probably 0.1%, which is 30 times lower than the regular peroxide you get at the grocery store. So it's really low. It's not dangerous in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why it works, because it's a, almost like a signaling molecule too. But it is directly toxic to the vaccine, uh, not the vaccine, to the virus, to the virus. that you're yeah. infected with, yes. So just have to be careful. Ideally, use food-grade peroxide, like even 12%, and then Diabetes. depending on the concentration, your initial concentration determines how much you dilute it in, in the final concentration that you're getting. But you're looking for about 0.1%. Okay. The 3% is what you buy in the store. Typical.
1: Now I want to talk about, and you presented on this topic at Dave Asprey's biohacking conference, the dangers of linoleic acid and why the chicken is a dirty bird. And yes. I always say if I read one more diet says chicken salad for lunch, I'm just gonna scream. I mean, we think it's a diet. But they don't know any
0: better. You know, it's an artifact of the low-fat component because typically you can get chicken breast would be very low-fat. So that Actually, that is pretty healthy because the fatted chicken is dangerous. It's not good fat. So you really wouldn't want to eat the skin on, on chicken unless you raise it yourself and you were very or knew exactly and precisely what the chicken ate because almost every chicken is fed incorrectly just like they feed humans. And the whole pet industry is just a sham too with the pet foods and stuff and what they're doing to the pets is even worse what they're doing to humans. But even if you give your chickens organic chicken feed and you have them go out and forage in the fields, there's grain in all of those. And the grain is high in linoleic acid and chickens are monogastric animals. That means they have one stomach and they don't have multiple chambers like a a ruminant animal, like a cow or lamb or sheep. And those other chambers in the ruminants allow, they're like biohydrogenation chambers. So they saturate the polyunsaturated fats that are in the plants that these animals are eating. And so that they convert the PUFAs, or the polyunsaturated fat acids, to saturated fat, which is safe and healthy. And that's what you need. So, So chicken just happens to be one of the highest sources of linoleic acid. In the human diet. And the reason that's so important, we didn't just mention why, but remember we talked about oxidative stress as a primary contributor to premature aging disease. Well, I'm convinced that probably one of the biggest ones for most people is the amount of linoleic acid that they're eating. Most of us are eating not double, not triple, not quadruple, not even five times. We're talking 10 times the amount that is ideal for human health, which is about one to 2% One to 2% of your total calorie intake. Most people are between 20 and 30%. 20 and 30%. If you do a fat biopsy, you're going to find that amount of fat. So, why is it so dangerous? It it isn't intrinsically dangerous by itself. When it's at 1% to 2%, it's perfect. It's exactly what your body needs and you thrive, you know, but it's in almost every food you eat. So you can't ever get deficient. They call it an essential fat, but it is not. That's a lie. The research was done almost a hundred years ago that showed it was not an essential fat. So because it's impossible. We're talking given,
1: about linoleic acid is an omega, which is omega six fat. Yes, yeah, omega six fat. fat. So I'm going to share this.
0: Hey, that looks familiar. That's a that's, t- table I created.
1: That's from you. Yes, I that's from you. This image is showing, I know it's covering yeah. your face, but okay. unhealthy oils, right? This is where we need an oil chain. But I wanna talk about these too, because these are often part, and then also seeds and nuts and the percentage of, this is from Mercola.com.
0: Yeah, the, the other one, put, she put the other one up there too. Yeah, that one with it, because the, the question almost everyone asks when they first are exposed to this is, well, what about olive and avocado oil, right? I
1: know this really so- hurt me, by the way.
0: Yeah. So, you know, let me just comment on that a little bit. You see it's an orange, which means it's not quite as bad as the ones in red, but it's a lot worse than, the, than even lard, which is from pigs, which is not good. And it doesn't come anywhere close to the good ones on the bottom. And I think this is an older one. I should have put ghee in there too, but for some reason I left it out.
1: Ghee is 1%, right?
0: No, ghee is the same as butter, and it, really. Right. It's about 1% to 2%. So I think the lowest is the tallow the tallow butter grass fed yeah you get it depends it depends see we know that CAFO is short for confined animal feeding operations which is your industrially produced cows and cattle and chickens really very cruel way to raise animals but that's the way most of them are raised and they feed them grain so even in a CAFO cow there's not much difference in the linoleic acid compared to a grass fed cow grass fed cow is better better But because we're a ruminant, they can saturate those fats so it never gets to a high level, whereas a chicken can't and a pig can't, which is why you want to stay away from those two. But let's get back to the olive oil. Olive oil and avocado oil equally are almost universally adulterated. What does that mean? That 80% or more, and with avocado, some of 90%, it's not the pure oil, it's mixed, it's diluted. With seed oils, like soy, as we can see from that, or sunflower, sunflower, is 60 70%. 70% of is linoleic acid. So it's really high. So now, yes, you can get pure olive oil from specialty stores and you know, and one that's whole, legit, never been touched and adulterated. But even then, it still has you know, linoleic acid. So it's it's OK to have that, especially if you have low linoleic acid content from your other foods. But you really don't want more than a tablespoon a day. It is not a magic bullet. And you don't take five or six tablespoons of this and think your health is going to turn around because it's a Mediterranean diet. No, do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. So I stay away from both of those. You can have olives. You can have avocados. I want to go crazy with it because avocados are relatively high in linoleic acid. If you want to keep your total grams of linoleic acid below five grams a day, which I think is good for most people. Why? Because they've been leading their whole life. They didn't know this their entire life. That means you have 20 to 30% of your diet, 10 to 30, 20 times higher than it's supposed to be. So it takes you, unlike sugar, which you know comes and goes within hours, days at the most, that fat's going to stick in your tissue for seven years seven yeah. years. See, so that's, that's why insane. you have to get really low. So it doesn't mean avocados are bad, but it has two, three grams in every avocado, of like acid. And if you want to keep it down, certainly below 10 grams a day, but ideally, you know, five grams is my goal. Then you can't have many avocados. I mean, you can have some, but maybe half an avocado, maybe one, intermittently, but you don't want to have two or three avocados a day. That is not a good strategy. Now, I grow avocados in my home, but I I give most of them away because I want to limit my linoleic acid.
1: And they're typically seasonal. So these are oils that we should not be consuming, correct? Well, you shouldn't consume them. If you have these in
0: your your cupboard, you just want to sit down, close your eyes, meditate, and, and think of a relative or a neighbor that you really don't like and give them to them.
1: That's terrible. I don't pretend you didn't say that. Look at this. Okay. Now, seeds and nuts. This was another eye opening thing. Again, we're not eating handfuls and handfuls of this every day, but no. to be conscientious that these are some of our keto green foods. These are some of our paleo foods, right? And 100%. And- yeah.
0: They're easy to get. They're easy to harvest. You're not picking them in the field and everything. So you can eat them in high quantities very easily. Which and the linoleic acid will just go up and up and up. And so look at hemp seed up there, 57%, and poppy seeds. It's pumpkin seeds. you know, almost half of the oil in there is linoleic acid. So not that good. Cashews are relatively low. Macadamia's are the best, as you can see. It's like kind of at the same level as beef tallow. So you can have those. I have about, you know, 30 macadamia nuts a day, but almonds are dangerous for other reasons. It's not so much linoleic acid, as you see, they're in the orange, but they're really high in oxalates. Oxide. So almond milk, almond, tad bad stuff. Doesn't mean you can never have almonds. Have a few. You know, that's it. You'll be fine with it. But if you have a half a bag or, you know, four ounces, you are looking for trouble, especially if you do I it see. regularly.
1: And this is something exactly. If you've been doing it regularly, sometimes you become oxalate sensitive. Can aggravate or interstitial cystitis. Can cause mm-hmm. joint pain. And I think that would be, you know, I, mean, I think that's really important to understand. It's that all of a sudden we went from eating a couple almonds that you had to crack yourself to drinking almond milk and you know eating almond butter and and many of and having things spinach that we and oxalate. Swiss
0: chard, Again, <laughs> you know, we which love also all really this high. stuff
1: but you got it. Yeah. Like rotating it in and out. So that's powerful. That's good stuff. So then chicken is high in alpha linoleic acid, especially if it's not free range, but mm-hmm. the fat is particularly bad. And this is the alpha linoleic acid is inflammatory. And this is why well, even it works it, against it, longevity. It's inflammatory. No, it's in not alpha
0: linoleic. It's not. I mean, sorry, it's
1: linoleic acid.
0: That's the alpha linolenic. This is linoleic. It's real easy to confuse. That's ALA, and that's actually a omega-3. It's a short-chain omega-3 fat, which is, I think it's 18 carbons. I think it's 18. I think EPA is 20, and DHA is 22 carbons. But, you know, and your body hopefully has a desaturase that can actually convert the ALA, alpha-linolenic, not linoleic, alpha-linolenic, to the omega, the longer-chain omega-3s like DHA and EPA.
1: Okay. So explain the difference between linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid. Yeah.
0: It's it's unfortunate they have such similar names. I used to get confused really with that all the time. One's good for you
1: and one's really bad.
0: Well, one's okay. It's definitely, you know, there's a, some controversy in the Ray Pete, who's, you know, a major iconoclast in many ways similar to what I've been doing. And, and I didn't particularly care for his information until just about when he passed. I finally caught on to what he was saying. There's a lot of truth there. And that's my new passion is kind of diving into the treasure troves of information he's uncovered. But he believes omega-3s are potentially as bad as omega-6s, even more so. They're a little more stable and more susceptible to oxidation stress. And, you know, they're probably okay in some ways, certainly cod liver oil, but, you know, to, to have salmon may not be the wisest choice or these cold water fish, because the colder the water, the more likely is that the fats that are in the tissue are going to be unsaturated because a saturated fat, as you know, like if you have coconut oil, it's solid at pretty much a room temperature. You know, or beef tallow, even more, or cocoa butter. You know, the thing is like a rock. Even it's like 120 degrees, it's still like a rock, because those bonds are so tightly together. So if that was in an animal's body and their tissues, it would be solidified. And it wouldn't function very well. So the, when, in cold environments, they really have to unsaturate the fats to stay liquid. Otherwise, they'll, they'll solidify. So, and it's, there's dangers to that though. So, that's why cold water fish are even, I mean, flax has the ALA too, the alpha linoleic acid, they make it three. But usually, flax is grown, it, the colder the environment, like a lot of flax comes from the northern US or Canada. So, so cold, then it has to be in that form. Otherwise, the seed wouldn't survive. So, because it would be solid. So, you see, like the tropicals, the subtropicals, where it's always like, over 80 degrees. And then you have all the saturated fats. That's why coconut oil is in the tropics. You know, coconuts growing in Canada, it wouldn't work. (laughs) They would die, aside from just killing the plant. But, you know, it just wouldn't work biologically. So
1: uh, at risk of discouraging everyone and making them fearful of putting anything in their mouth again, what are some of your favorite? And again, everything in moderation. mm -hmm. So what are some of your favorite, like, what are some well, of you can have a lot of great
0: foods? things. The beautiful thing about Ray P is he he opened my eyes to the benefits of carbs. I'm taking 300 grams of carbs a day now. I'm definitely not low carb, so fruits are fantastic. They're one of the best foods you can possibly eat. I eat a half of a watermelon a day in the morning. For but soon shortly after I get up, about three pounds of watermelon. That's without the rind, so three full pounds of watermelon. There's virtually nothing wrong with the watermelon. It's everything good for your body. But other fruits, apples, I love. I like Acerola cherries and. What's the other fruits, apples and watermelon are my favorites. So you can have a lot of fruit. I mean, some fruit is you gotta be careful, like kiwis because it's high in oxalates and figs and dates. But most fruits are really good for you. It's the plants you have to be careful of because of oxalates and lectins and other concerns and linoleic acid. And there's every little linoleic acid in fruit.
1: What protein? Oh, proteins. Are I are have from ruminant
0: animals. So my primary favorite protein source is lamb. I love lamb. I have about a third of a pound of lamb a day and then eggs. I raise my own chickens. I have a dozen chickens. And I just got four geese now. So geese are even better. They have re- they- I never knew it but a goose is like a herbivore. I mean, they'll eat grains, but you know, one of the benefits of ro- of raising geese is that their feed is really low because they just eat the weeds in the garden. That's it. That's all they do pretty cool. So I, I just got four little ones. They're about two weeks old now. Oh so my
1: goodness. You know, eating wild, free range as much as possible. Yeah. Well, even order. free what range. bison?
0: No, bison's perfect. Yeah, I have bison too. Bison is another my good ex- one. Bison, I, I, I like bison better than beef because it's more of an ancestral animal. It's more wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can certainly have steak. I love one of my favorite steaks is a ribeye. And make sure you eat the fat in that gristle because the gristle is connective tissue connective tissue is high in collagen, collagen. which has really important amino acids, glycine, hydroxyproline, and proline to build up your tendons and your connective tissue. And if you're not eating connective tissue, you probably need to consider a supplement because eventually, you know, especially when people are working out in resistance training most everyone invariably gets injured. And a lot of times it's really the fact that they're, they don't have connective tissue in their diet. So if you're eating nose to tail carnivore, that'll work, but most people don't do that. So then, you know, seriously, and if you're not going to be eating gristle, you want to get some, or having bone bone broth or other sources of collagen, you got to take a collagen supplement of some sort. You got to be careful because some of that collagen out there is junk in the way they extract it yeah. from some. so You have to be, do your due diligence and everything, for sure.
1: I know we're running close on time, but I just wanted to hit on hormones with you. What about testosterone, progesterone, DHEA?
0: There's three hormones that I like that I think most people would benefit from taking and that is pregnenolone, it's the master of all hormones, so your body converts it to what it needs. So uh, if it needs, you know, any of those, the, the primarily testosterone, DHA. I like testosterone, but I don't recommend it for most people. I think if just giving the precursor pregnenolone and DHA, typically pregnenolone is about one hundred milligrams and DHA about five or ten. It works much oral orally. Now I do I was opposed to that because I was influenced by Jonathan Wright, who is the person who introduced bioidentical hormones in the United States. And I still do it personally. I do it as a suppository because it's a transmucosal absorption. And if you just swallow it by itself, it's problematic. You're only going to get 10 to 15% of it. And you're going to it's going to be metabolized and you're going to and the metabolites are counterproductive. So what I learned from Georgie Dinkoff is that if you swallow the hormones with saturated fat boom you get 85 90 so put in butter or some other fat right with it then it goes bypasses the liver absorption does get metabolized which is a key key pearl so yeah I, i'm a huge fan of pregnenolone and progesterone too progesterone but estrogen is not your friend you know i'm still working through this but Estrogen and serotonin, and you know, taking the antidepressants with the SSRIs, not a good strategy. Serotonin and estrogen are really causing a lot of disease.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with progesterone and pregnenolone. I'm reaching back for my balance cream because I put both in my topical hormone cream, which has tripeptide too, but it's progesterone and pregnenolone because oftentimes women can only like are prescribers will only prescribe progesterone. And pregnenolone is so brain protective as well. And again, oh, it's one it. of the yeah. mother hormones that can help with sleep. Good for men and women. Transdermally, like, it's really well absorbed if you've got a good gut. I always say, if you don't have a good gut, you don't absorb through the skin very well. But you know, you can use it vaginally, you can use it rectally. Yeah, I like that vaginally
0: for women because it's a transmucosal, so you absorb it better. The skin, you can get some resistance to over time because I've used a lot of progesterone in the, in the 90s when John Lee was promoting it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember John. He, he's of course passed now. I was now, on but his board. He, oh, really? Yeah. He actually inspired me to do gardening. John
1: uh, Lee wrote, uh, what your doctor won't tell you about hormones. Things like That was part of his platform. Yeah. And I forget progesterone was big and, and breast yeah, it was cancer. Huge. She was a nice guy. It's so good. Really heart-centered.
0: But I, my experience with it is it worked well for almost everyone I put it on. But then after a few months, the resistance developed in the skin and it was a problem and they had to work for it. So it was kind of frustrating from that perspective. But I think it was just because the skin is called tachyphylaxis. And I don't know the specific reason for it, but it develops resistance to absorption.
1: So typically, we usually say take one or two days off a week, or three to five days. Yeah, off Yeah, that a that could be a result.
0: Yeah, days. because yeah. I didn't I didn't know that when I was doing it in the nineties. So
1: that's so good. So question here from Amira: Are chicken eggs good?
0: Yeah, it depends on how you raise them. Normally, it, if you're only gonna have two a day, I mean, a chicken egg would have like somewhere between two and three. It depends on the size of the egg. Maybe two and three grams of linoleic acid. So, or maybe one, one to two. So I have four, and I think it's like almost three grams. So four is a good, it's, chicken egg is one of the healthiest eggs. You just want to make sure you cook the white and don't cook the yolk. So, you know, poached eggs would be one way to do it. I just cook up my whites separately. And then I, and then after they're cooked, I put them in with the yolks and mix them up with some honey, raw honey, another great carbohydrate. Oh, it's one of my favorite foods now. Raw oh honey. Oh my
1: gosh. Like I, I can't do carbs you know, really, Joe, I can't do carbs. I get very insulin resistant very quickly. I intermittent fast, I stay ketogreen. I do feast periodically. So I do bump up my carbs. Yeah, you you've gotta read. Carbs.
0: Look at my interviews with Georgia Dinkoff, who's one of Ray Pete's major students, but I was there for a long time. Now I realized, oh my gosh, carbs are so important. Here's the problem with going carb too long, is that your body needs carbohydrates, it needs glucose. Your, your brain has to have glucose, otherwise you'll be dead. You can, yes, you can use ketones, you can use lactate, but it needs glucose. And if you're not eating it, and it's not stored in your glycogen, it only lasts about two, three days at the most, then you have to make it. And so the problem is when you make it, what your signal the body releases is cortisone or cortisol. And so you get high cortisol levels to stimulate your liver to do a process called gluconeogenesis, which is making glucose. And that cortisone causes this chronic inflammation, which is real problematic. And many times, if you're ever seen people fasting like this third, fourth, fifth day, they get this paradoxical increase in their glucose levels. What's that from? They, they don't have any glucose. That's the body trying to recover and shooting cortisol up. And that's why one of the reasons you can't sleep a lot when you're keto, because your body's under so much stress, it wants this sugar. So I'm just that's, a huge fan of carbohydrates now. And, I, and I, was, I wrote a book, <laughs> I wrote two books on keto.
1: I know, I know you're, you've are you been a big keto fan, that's but is this sure. because you're at so low body fat percentage now? I'm
0: not low body fat. You know, I think that's dangerous, you know, especially like for bodybuilders and competing. That is, you can look really good and look really ripped. But once you start going under 10%, certainly 8%, I wouldn't go much lower than 8% for a male, but I think I'm probably running at 12, 13, 14%, you know? I think that you need more fat when you get older. You know, I'm yeah. almost 70, so.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I recognize, especially doing Keto Green for so long, and that's why I wrote Menu Pause, it's there's five different six-day plans. One is a carb-up plan, one is a vegan plan, one is a cleanse, mm-hmm. one is a carnivore, and one is a Keto Green Extreme plan, which follows more of the autoimmune protocol. And so because we get stuck doing the same thing and rigid in our... You know, we become inflexible. And so flexing in other ways of eating other lives, just like you wouldn't do the same exercise every day. I think that's true for our body chemistry. But, you know, I would say there are seasons for a reason. So it makes intuitive sense for me. But, you know, and at certain seasons, we need more of one thing than another. So I think the question is why? Why can't we do the same thing every day?
0: Yeah, the body likes variety for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good curiosity. Well, tell our audience how to get a hold of you and thank you so much for your time. I know we've gone over a little bit.
0: Yeah. So the best way is my website, Mercola.com. We have a free newsletter. still goes out every day. We had to delete all our content I'm coming up on two years ago now. I think in August it'll be two years. So in the process of transferring most of that to our Substack, but that's behind a paywall. It's a whopping $5 a month of which we donate to a charity. So, but we had to do that for strategic reasons because I was really the target of a, a deep state big time. I mean, we we're talking things like council on foreign relations, the Atlanta council, they were targeting me. So I had to make some different decisions. So Mercola.com is the best way to do it. We have daily newsletter. So it gets picked up and it's up there for 48 hours. So if you subscribe and you don't get it, like and you go to it three days later, it'll be gone. So that's part of the strategy we had to implement as a result of being targeted. So I think we might be throttled or it's not, it's shadow band is the term for it. So it doesn't go out to too many people, but if we do have a Twitter and a Facebook account that kind of pains me to do that. Cause there's a lot of good stuff that wasn't related to health at all on there that I put on my channel. And that's like <laughs> one of my early ones, like in 2004 making some of my first big vid- podcast videos with a little webcam was pretty cool. So
1: been a New York times bestselling author twice,
0: but almost all my other books were bestsellers. It's just that, And those those two bestsellers, I've written books that sold 10 to 50 times as many copies because the New York Times banned me from ever being a bestseller.
1: Yeah, well, many, many you, moons you ago. You got it in there quickly. So, I mean, it's really yeah. hard for health books to become bestsellers. They're just not making the list. But yeah. I think that, you know, I, I just want to applaud your persistence and adding into the spectrum of information that we're able to be exposed to. In debate, I learned early on as a debater that you've got to look at both sides of the argument. You've got to look at the, you know, look at it from different ways, understand the perspective, and then you come to your truth, your c- conclusions. And I think that's really powerful information. I think, you know, with this, I don't want people to be afraid of eating avocados or afraid of eating no. almonds or afraid of anything, but it's the quantity of food that we eat, the layering of it. So if we're eating chicken, fat, fried in. Oh, crispa- you can't you know, have fried
0: foods. There's just yeah. no reason for that.
1: So can- continuing to work to optimize your health and longevity. And yet again, there's the full spectrum. So, from attitude, like what do you see coming down the line 5, 10, 15 years from now for you? For me? Yeah.
0: Well, I have a relatively pessimistic view of what's going to happen, so I think the global cabal is
1: I shouldn't ask.
0: really coming down hard and it's going to be a different world, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've already implemented the CBDCs,
1: which is, is the that? beginning of
0: the central bank digital currencies. Oh. Yeah, so that means that they will have total control over your finances. If they don't like what you do, say or think, they can shut you off. I mean, that's where we're going. And it's going to be voluntary initially, but essentially it's going to be mandatory. So that's within the next two years. We've got an explosion of artificial intelligence. We've got these large language models, LLMs, like Chatbot, GPT, Google just released their BARD. Actually, I just got my invite to, to participate today. It's a new world. It's a definitely new world. You really can't predict it, but you can see the trends and the trends don't look encouraging. So you really want to build health and resiliency, because it's, it's a very short time. I mean, this access to information we just shared is going to disappear. They're taking it all off the internet. It is gone. No, it's actually not off the, it's still there, but it's out of the resources and tools you would typically use to find it. It doesn't exist in the search engine. I would say at least half, maybe 75% of the content that was ever put up on the internet is gone from the search engine about natural health. It's gone. It disappeared. It is not there. Unless you happen to know how to find it. And just look at Google. When you enter a search term in Google, it may have 7 million hits or fines, right? Seven million 7 million, maybe 50 million. Try to go past page two or three. The last time I looked, it went to maybe page five or six, and there's nothing else. So you see the top 50 results and everything else is gone. 93% of the search results in the world are done on Google. 93%. And even the other search engines. Use Google as your primary tool. So this is the same thing. So all this information you got to start storing it. This is knowledge is going to be gone. That is their goal to make this knowledge disappear. What can legitimately and authentically heal you and avoid participating in this this model, which is going to decimate health? It is decimating health. So. You know, it's it's not a pretty picture that's going on, and uh, you know, it's a realistic, pragmatic. My realistic, pragmatic view. I I hope it is not, and I hope I'm so what wrong. What can we
1: do about it? Like we're,
0: become again, resilient. You know, you have to you have to yeah. know how to find and get your food, and yeah. get find a health community. And there's a number of people making movements in that direction, but because. They're making fake food. You're not going to be able to implement these things. You will not be able to buy this stuff unless you, you, you connect and network the people who are growing the food themselves. They're even trying to make growing food illegally. That the, in the, Europe
1: the, right now, the- Well, the that's in the Netherlands, yeah. yeah.
0: Politically, they were able to circumvent some of that. Hopefully, it won't be implemented, but that was just... The people in know about the Netherlands. The Netherlands is like one of the largest producers of food in the world, like the third largest producer. They're huge and they're really exemplary good at what they do. And they were just going to crush them. And that's what crush they're the doing growers, this all over the crush world. Crush
1: the farmers. And yeah, growers.
0: 100%. So you got to yeah. learn. I'm not suggesting you go out and grow your own food. That's hard to do. It, and it's a long learning curve on that. But, you know, there are people who've done this their whole lifetime and are expert. And you can, you know, line with them and form a community and figure out how you what you're going to do. I mean, they tried to kill the chickens earlier this year. They killed 50 million chickens, you know, under the guise of, of bird food that didn't exist. You know they're decimating the food supply. So you got to There are many do: food, shelter, and water. That's it. You got to cover for those, and that's why I think that's why I live in Florida, and I've got backups in warmer environments in Florida. You know, because it sucks to be cold in the middle of winter, and you don't have heat or fuel, and you and they've turned off your money supply, and you can't pay for it, and you freeze to death. You know, they almost yeah. did that with Nord Stream. They blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Thankfully, I don't think they. Many Germans died as a result of not having fuel, but you know, they could have, and you know, who knows what they're going to do? They could have a, a power grid takeout, might be the next black swan, and it's not going to be a covet number two, it'll be a you know, a power grid's gone, there's no electricity. What are you going to do? You know, there, there's just so many ways they can take us out, and so it really the,
1: does give us this feeling of vulnerability. So, the best thing is overall, well, but do if you're
0: is. healthy, you can survive it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're metabolically flexible, if, if you have low linoleic acid. You know, linoleic acid elevated levels makes you susceptible to oxidative stress. So that people get exposed. Say they, they, they dropped the a nuclear bomb, right? And, and you had gamma radiation from that. Well, the people with low linoleic acid—I mean, assuming you didn't melt or just get burned instantly, which right, happens right. obviously you if, you're had- the, but if you're close to it—but if you have this lethal exposure, the people with low linoleic acid are the ones that are going to survive because it's the linoleic acid that gets damaged with these exposures to radiation, just like in the cell phones, cell phone and Wi-Fi you need low linoleic acid. If your linoleic acid is high, those free radicals are going to punch your linoleic acid. And that's what causes skin cancer. It's not the sun. It's the UV hitting the linoleic acid in your skin that causes the cancer. Linoleic acid contributes to almost all the cancers. If you have low linoleic acid, you almost are invulnerable to cancer, heart disease, dementia, diabetes, and obesity. It's like almost impossible to get.
1: So much to learn, so much to learn, yeah. pay attention to these things and to reduce our risk and reduce our levels and cleanse regularly, alternate, keep active. I always see you. low linoleic acid, low <laughs> linoleic. Do you have a book on this? Is that your next one?
0: I actually completed a book and then it got sabotaged by the co-author who I'm not going to name. So I'm writing actually tomorrow. I should have my preliminary review. I'm going to publish a review paper on it for okay. nutrients, which is a high impact, uh, double uh, peer review journal. So I'm going to do that. And we, I just created a video that should be out in a few weeks. There's another reason you want to subscribe to my site. This video, it took me like almost six months to create this video, which is an animated version of what it condenses into 30 minutes, everything you need to know about it and what to do. And okay. it's really easy to understand. So hopefully that'll be out in the next month or so been doing a lot of trial and I just haven't had time to, to do it like I'd like Minolite to.
1: Linoleic acid, to learn more about that and to add, you know, it's awareness. You know, again, what I want my audience to have is awareness so that we're yeah. conscientious of, of what we're doing. We're working on prevention, creating bodies that are inhospitable to cancer, that are hormone balanced. We learned a couple of new tools today between methylene blue and molecular hydrogen. These are things that I've been following in the science too, just finding nice ways to, to take it and there's a lot
0: more i've got a good article coming out on uh friday actually recording this on wednesday the top 20 supplements i recommend i got it's like a 20 page article i spent a lot of time writing it and going to all the details because there's some major ones that i have not shared with yet because there's because of time restrictions
1: i know we're gonna have to have you back i want to thank our audience hold on joe i want to thank our audience for being here And appreciate you subscribing to the Girlfriend Doctor Show and share this episode. You can share it through your social channels. You can definitely share it through Spotify, Apple Podcasts when this becomes available online and to watch it on video. Always, you can see it at the Girlfriend Doctor on YouTube. I appreciate your time and I appreciate all your input and questions and being advocates for your health and for the health of your family and for the health of our community and for the health of our world. So can be encouraged, not discouraged. Think of one good thing you can do for yourself today and embrace that. God bless you all until next time.